This is Conversations on Discipleship with Father Adam Streitenberger from St. Gabriel Catholic Radio and Diocese of Columbus Media. With me is Brad Pierron. Um, we're going to continue hearing his story of his conversion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, the Lord said here, right? He revealed himself to me with that hand on my shoulder, like the hand of the Lord was upon me, right? And I turn around and no one's there. And in the sight of my gaze is the Luna of the Monstrance. And the Lord speaks that word here. Here is where you're meant to be. And here is where I've always been waiting for you, Brad. And it was really powerful in so many ways, right? Like he knew my name, right? He knew the question that I was asking. So he didn't just know my name vaguely. Like some people even today might be listening like, oh, I've heard of Brad before. He's at Damascus. He's doing those things. But like, yeah, yes, he knew my name, but he knew me. Like, he knew that question that I presented, and he answered it directly here. Here's where you're meant to be, and here's where I've always been waiting for you, Brad. And I remember leaving the chapel that night in such elation. I literally would go to all these people that are at a Catholic conference saying, Jesus is real. And they're all like, yeah, that's kind of the reason we're here. I'm like, no, I don't think you get like what I'm saying. Like, he's not real in the sense of like abstract real. He's like real, real. They're like, yeah, like that's that's true, you know? And I'm like, wait. What? Like, he's real. And like, I, I, there was just this excitement. I remember I came to one of the brothers uh, who was at the conference with me, and he's actually the same one that met me on High Street, which is so funny how mm-hmm. the Lord just works in consistency. And uh, I went up to him and I said, man, Jesus is real. And I, I don't know what else to do, man. I can't stop until I bring as many people as possible to the same experience. Like, if he's real, it's the C.S. Lewis line, right? That, like, it, it, I'm paraphrasing, but if Jesus is real, then he's everything. If he's not real, then he's nothing. The only thing he can't be is in between. And in the majority of my life, I lived in the in between. Like that—that's not like if Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, not a way, a truth, and a life. Then he's everything. And that's what he says. He says, "I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me." And if he's the way, then anyone who doesn't know Jesus is lost. If he's the truth, then anyone who doesn't know Jesus is lied to. And if he's the life, then anyone who doesn't know Jesus is lifeless. And I don't mean that in condemnation. I mean that in invitation, right? Like the Lord, the way, the truth, and the life came through in my life, showed himself to be that, and I had a decision to make that that's either real or it's not. It can't be some in-between. And I think a lot of times we as Christians, and maybe even especially as Catholics because of the rich tradition we have around us, we live our life perpetually in the in-between. And that was the moment that that all changed for me. It was August 3rd, 2014, and now here we are a little over seven years later, which is amazing. And the Lord's just been so good to me since then. Excellent. Yeah. The um, I, there's you know there's so much I want to talk to you about. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, in there's a lot there. This, but I think in connection to this, and and we're gonna we're gonna sure. um, flesh out all these points. But yeah, the one thing, how did you meet um, Damascus? That's a great question. So my sister had had a powerful conversion through Catholic Youth Summer Camp when she was in elementary school. So long story short, there were some traumatic things in elementary school experience for my sister. So in fifth grade, there was a school shooting that was just hard for the community. And Brooke was in that classroom. And in response to that, like in any traumatic event, right, we either reject absolutes or we seek them, right? And my family immediately was like, well, we we need to anchor this little girl who's had this hard thing. And my parents were like, there's this Catholic youth summer camp thing that would be good for her to, to anchor herself in, in a faith that transcends the 
mess of what's right now, right? And so Brooke went to Catholic Youth Summer Camp and every year after that, she would go back and she would come back on fire. And it almost made me uncomfortable, but in, in my own mind, right? And this happens sometimes, I was thinking to myself, well, that emotional faith, right? That's the immature faith. Like, and so she would come back. She'd be like, Brad, you have to come to this camp. And for me, I wasn't going to miss a week of football in the summer. And I'm like, oh no, that's so good that that's providing that for you. But when you get older, you'll realize what mature faith is, right? Like, isn't that so funny? The hubris that we carry sometimes this little girl knew more about the faith than I did. Little did I know that I would actually be the one who would eventually see what the real faith looked like instead of the one who in hubris thought he knew, right? But she had this powerful experience through Catholic Youth Summer Camp all the way through high school. And in college, so I was going into my junior year. She was going into, I think, her senior year of high school, if I'm recalling correctly. She's three years younger than me. Um, And as that was happening, she was like, hearing me tell this story of this powerful encounter with Jesus and how I wanted to give my life to him, how I was living in a household. And she goes, you should be a counselor at Catholic Youth Summer Camp. Like it'll, it'll take what you're experiencing here and it'll, it'll magnify that. And so I decided to be a volunteer counselor for a week at Catholic Youth Summer Camp. And I got to meet Dan Dimitri and Aaron Richards, two of the executive directors at Damascus along that time. Almost immediately, the Lord had me doing some some speaking because my, my roots are in speaking. So I was a pre-law, um, I was a pre-law student in my studies. And so that had a lot of, you know, in front presentation. I was a broadcaster for the big 10 network. So speaking to people wasn't exactly something foreign to Mm -hmm. me. And so I almost immediately after conversion started to do some things like that. So at Catholic youth summer camp, I gave a testimony pretty much around what we're talking about right now. And Dan and Aaron heard that. And they're like, Brad, we're going to build this place called Damascus. And, well, actually, at that time, they didn't even have the name. We're going to build this place that's going to host this summer camp. And we think you might have some of the charisms we want to build a missionary program around. And so it was just this invitation to this blank slate. And I'm a sucker for adventure, you know? And uh, that was really the the roots of that. So it started early in my family. Brooke was bringing graces in from Catholic Youth Summer Camp from a young age. And then I experienced it as a volunteer counselor and said, this is something I could see me giving my life to. Because my heart is for high school into college, right? Between the ages of 16 and 24, we make so many pivotal decisions for our life. And so that's where I want to be. And Damascus gave me an opportunity to potentially do that. And eventually I said yes, you know. So you uh, finished off college. Right. And uh, But you did do like summer, you yeah. um, counseled summer camp. Then did you go right into Damascus? Yeah, so I, I did. Yeah, so okay. I would be remiss not to mention that St. Paul's Outreach is the organization I was with in college. Mm-hmm. They're the organization that invited me into household, invited me into this powerful experience with the Lord, and I am just forever indebted to that ministry. St. Paul's Outreach is amazing, and it's so cool that it was St. Paul's Outreach, and we eventually called us, mm-hmm. us eventually called our movement, right, Damascus. It's just so cool how that ties in. But um, yeah, so immediately after my time with St. Paul's Outreach, I was discerning between being a missionary with... SPO, St. Paul's Outreach, and helping found Damascus's missionary program. And eventually I felt like the Lord led me to the latter. And yeah, so immediately upon graduation, and now I've been a part of Damascus for almost six years. Now, um, the, um, I, I want you to repeat something you said at the very beginning of yeah. our of the first bit of our um, conversation, mm-hmm. which it almost sounded like it's a... Um, a motto. Yeah, sure. Um, sure. So I have I've, I have a feeling, even though it may come, it may have just welled up naturally from <laughs> yeah, your heart, sure, but it may sure. be something that you've memorized. Yeah, tell me. But you you define Damascus. Yeah. So you said like Damascus is a group of young adults. Yeah, yep. Da, 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 yep, yep. Com- what was it that you said? Yeah, thanks. So we're a community of young adults that serve the youth of the church through retreats, camps, and conferences. 
And I think it's the best way to encapsulate who we are because mm-hmm. Damascus, is it a beautiful place? Yes, it's a place. Is it a program? Yes. We have programs that we offer there for middle schoolers and high schoolers. But I think more than any of that, it's a missionary people. It really is. And I know that that language is almost so overused that it's become cliche, but it really is more a missionary people than anything else. So, so what I like saying is we're a community of young adult missionaries who serve the youth of the church. That's, that's what we do. Who we are precedes what we do, right? And, you know, I mean, I don't think a lot of people use missionary people, so I don't think Yeah, maybe, I don't I'm, think maybe I'm off there. Maybe yeah, it's maybe the it's circles around. that maybe I'm in. Right, yeah. right, 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 right. But, but I do think, and I've been real, I'm real, I feel blessed and privileged to kind of witness um, the evolution of CYSE and, yeah, and Damascus, right. you know, mm-hmm. from... Um, and it really, you know, I think a lot of people think of Damascus as an apostolate. Like yes, there's, right, right. There's programs to be run, there's of project. Um, but I think there really is um, a people that are being formed, yes. a community, um, and mm-hmm. not just maybe the missionaries that come in. I think it's easy for us to say it is, the missionaries. Yeah. But, you know, if you really look at the number of youth who are now young adults, yeah. some yep. of them married, yep. who have gone through Catholic That's right. Youth Summer Camp... And ha- they came to know the Lord yeah. through that experience. Um, they were formed mm-hmm. through various mm-hmm. other programs. Yeah. That um, it is, it is mm-hmm. kind of you know organically evolving and moving into more of a movement and less of just an apostolate. Yeah, you're exactly right. Well, because the goal, right, is to is to bring the faith in a new like way, in a sense, like through the young people, because Mm -hmm. all of them are unique, specific, and unrepeatable images of Jesus, right? So they're all different. And so they can bring the Lord in a new way. I don't don't think that the youth of our church are the future of our church, or at least merely the future of our church, but they're almost the vitality of the church today. That like, when, when you change the heart of a young person, they'll change the heart of their parents. And changing the heart of the parents changes the heart of the family. And changing the heart of the family changes the heart of the parish. And changing the heart of the parish, at least in the Western world context, begins changing the heart of the church. Yeah, that, and that's a really good point that um, I kind of want to build on. Yeah. You know, you've been listening to Conversations on Discipleship, and I'm your host, Father Adam Streitenberger. With me has been Brad Pierron. Mm-hmm. He is the um, director of missionary yeah, yeah, that's program. Right. Missionary for... program director. Yeah. Okay. That's right. Very good. At Damascus, I always mess up on titles. <laughs> they're, they're long titles a... too. <laughs> um, until next time, peace and all good. A Diocese of Columbus production in partnership with Saint Gabriel Catholic Radio. I went to church and just sat there and listened. I really didn't absorb anything. I think I just found myself believing that I didn't need God. I just had everything under control and church was actually a a burden to me. I had this sin that I carried in my heart for a long time. And I told myself for many, many years that the Lord wouldn't forgive me for this. When, When Father in the confessional says, your sins are forgiven, There truly is a a feeling of of weight lifted off. I don't care if it's two or three little sins that you're carrying, there's a feeling of I can breathe deeply again. I feel pure inside and and I'm ready to come to Mass. You can have a beautiful car, a big fancy home. If you don't have Christ in your life, there's an emptiness that's there. When you come home to to the church, you're coming home to a Catholic family where people today just embrace you. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today.